Let the priests tremble. We're going to show them our sext. When French feminist Helene Sissou wrote the word sext in 1975, she wasn't talking about Snapchats of someone's booty. In her essay, titled The Laugh of the Medusa, sexts refers to writing that is about sexuality and human experience from a woman's perspective. Sisu argues that a woman's understanding of this world has, by 1975, barely been committed to paper. Sisu exhorts women to write for women, to create a language in which to express the feminine experience, the physical, the emotional, and the sexual. In the 40 years since Medusa, we have filled volumes and libraries with writing about ourselves, our bodies. Women write more than ever today, and thanks to the internet, on more and more platforms. But finding the right platform to write openly about the body can prove challenging on an internet of immediate and anonymous feedback. Basically, I had a kid, and it was a horrible experience. (laughs) (laughs) That's Megan O'Connell, a writer from Portland, Oregon. I wanted to write my birth story for a few of my internet friends kind of almost as a joke. And I I was like, how, I'm not going to put this online. It's too vulnerable. I don't know. But I also wanted to put it out into the world because that's just who I am, I guess. And um, so somehow Tiny Letter felt like a safe way to do that. In the last few years, we've seen a huge uptick in the number of newsletters. Between the most famous name in podcasts, MailCamp, and the platform Tiny Letter, there are countless email newsletters hoping to populate your inbox. A lot of newsletters are link roundups of things the sender loved or hated or wrote that week, but some others are personal, more like diaries or blogs, the way blogs used to be when LiveJournal was still a thing. In your inbox, these type of newsletters feel more like personal messages from a friend. Megan O'Connell's newsletter was called Like This, and it told internet friends the starkly physical story of her difficult labor. She recounted every pain and fear with incredible detail and humor. Although many birth stories have been written, from famous hippie midwife Ina Mae Gaskin right up through how-to-be-a-woman author Caitlin Moran, Megan's hit me and many of her other readers as the first of a generation. She was a peer, an internet friend. It was a very like satisfying experience, I guess, because people could reply to it, to my inbox, and we could like, talk, and people would talk about it, but like only in good ways. I don't know, because if you're subscribing to it, like you want to read it. There's something about that, like consent. One of Megan's internet friends is Charlotte Shane, who writes a tiny letter called Prostitute Laundry. Here's Megan on Charlotte's newsletter. It's so intense and so good. And the, the idea that like other people are reading it too is almost like weird. Like my boyfriend gets it, you know, and I'm like, oh man, when was he reading this? You know, like this morning in bed when I was like sleeping next to him or what? Prostitute laundry could also be counted among the diary entry sort of tiny letters. It's intimate, specific, and incredibly visceral. Charlotte writes frankly about her feelings, her body, her boyfriend, and her sex lives, both personal and professional. I drifted through dreamy states of dreaming about him, idly and happily, to more urgent cravings, to anxiety that he felt stronger for me than I for him, to a sense of complete distance. Whatever state I was in felt like the truest but none were as powerful as yearning to be with him. Those were the times when my love for him beat inside me like a second heart, and I couldn't concentrate on anything else. That's Charlotte, reading a newsletter from last September. Charlotte, well, I think obviously, is not my real name. When she started out on Tumblr, Charlotte was known simply by her handle, Nightmare Brunette. She came up with the name Charlotte Shane when Megan and another friend, journalist and author Melissa Gira-Grant, asked her to be part of their collection of sex writing, Coming and Crying. 
As Charlotte Chain, she started writing more and more online, co-founding the blog Tits and Sass, and later contributing cultural essays to The New Inquiry, Salon, and more. I was writing essays um, and articles and reviews, but I realized I missed more personal writing. She started Prostitute Laundry in February of 2014. I felt compressed by his thrusts, bound up in my own body like a knot. And the sense of slow release from that once he pulled out felt decadent and diffuse. There's often quite a lot of sexually explicit portions, but I don't write them to be titillating usually. It's more like the the physical intimacy is going to foster or um, or destroy something. And I'm more interested in the emotional and interpersonal dynamics, but it's you can't talk about them if you leave out all of the other details around it. Over time, prostitute laundry has been less and less about Charlotte's work and more and more about the rest of her life, a shift that reflects her real-world focus as well. Now it doesn't feel as crucial to me to share the sex work portion of my life the way it once felt very imperative. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for a lot of other sex workers. There's a period where they become very invested in and interested in the community around sex work. Sex workers are really active online because we have to be for marketing anyway. And it's sort of an intimate community, I think, because so many of us are otherwise isolated. We're really eager to make connections and maintain connections online. Online, Charlotte runs in circles relevant to each of her jobs, writer and sex worker. In both communities, women commiserate and advise each other about how to navigate their shared professions. When I had my blog, I, particularly from men, I got a lot of emails that were really, really presumptuous and sort of acted like we had a relationship because they had been reading what I wrote. The audience for her tiny letter is different. I think everybody who finds it has found it through a friend's recommendation. I know that's which, how I found it. Yeah, which I think is really cool. That's actually, it's, that's actually the most perfect scenario I could have imagined because it feels like a, an intimate kind of friend community. I almost don't want to say anything because I don't want to jinx it. (laughs) I don't want to make this magic uh, explicit, but it does seem that most, the vast majority of people who read it are very reverent and respectful. And I think it could just be my imagination, but that they sort of want to protect it too, which I really appreciate. With Prostitute Laundry, Charlotte can ban any subscriber. And unlike many other newsletters, her archives are not available online. It's my favorite thing about it, honestly. <laughs> I love the sort of ephemeral nature of it. I love the idea of just, you know, it was written, it was shared, and now it doesn't exist anymore. Of course, it yeah. does exist in <laughs> people's inboxes, but I love that it isn't somewhere online. Like Snapchat, but for feelings. And like Snapchat, where users share the kind of unattractive selfies or uncomposed shots that they don't post to Instagram, the pieces don't fit neatly into a structure. They're not exactly essays. They're not exactly poems. They're all basically attempts at articulating a certain emotional state. Saying only that they're like diary entries is too facile. Diaries are private, and these are public pieces. I remembered an Alice Walker quote. The animals of the world exist for their own reasons. And thought of how many men needed to learn that much about women, and about sexual women in particular. 
All the important and enduring things about me are permanently mine. They don't go away or tarnish because a man treats me poorly after we have sex. I had always done as I wanted to do with George. Everything, the sex, the love, had been given freely. I spend most of my time talking about feminism and writing and sex, but the experiment of a feminine language must be incomplete because I'm having such a hard time coming up with a nice, non-passive, non-romance novel non-gross way to say, take a dick. We don't have the words to understand ourselves, but we're working on it. A friend, a sort of friend asked me to send them the old ones, and which I did, which I do if like we're friends, you know. And they wrote back and they said, I just thank you for sending this. I feel like I've learned a lot about myself, which is sounds maybe really corny, but it makes me so happy. Sisu has a great passage where she compares writing to masturbating, which is certainly not a new metaphor. But she writes that women do both in secret and not to their full potential. Quote, just enough to take the edge off. Newsletters feel private, but they're public. Charlotte delivers her writing to people who want it and need to read it. It does more than just take the edge off. TLDR was hosted by me, Meredith Haggerty, and produced by Ethan Cheel. Our executive producer is Kat Rogers. Our engineer is Jen Munson. Breakmaster Schillander wrote our theme. Go to onthemedia.org slash TLDR to read our blog and subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. While you're there, would you mind writing a review for us? Your reviews really help. I tweet at many, many words and TLDR. This is TLDR. TLDR.